It's March. Tom Izzo has his accordion, and he just put on his dancing shoes. You're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that proves two Wolverines, Spartans can talk. I'm Mike Jones, joined, of course, by the man who was not sourced by Brendan Quinn, Kevin Greck. Greckers, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, uh, everything I told him, cutting room floor. He didn't include any of it. Why Why do we have those conversations, Brendan? You know, keep calling me, badgering In the me. of the night. It's, it's pathetic, Brendan, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, we will get into it, but of course, I am also joined by the man who lives his life as a flagrant one, Alex Plum. Plum, how's it going, buddy? That's a technical foul. You uh, you can't do the hook and, hook and hoop, hoop and hook. I don't know. I, I'm Bo Borowski, and I'm universally hated and panned. So, <laughs> But fuck Brad Davison. That's all I can say. Oh, wow. We are starting off hot. Uh, thank you, of course. There's no way the that any more than 5% of our audience knows what you're referring to right now. That's Continue, correct. though. Yeah, Continue. Please go on. Please go on. Uh, yes. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If we could ask a small favor, please, please share the, po- uh, the podcast with Spartans in your life. Give it a like, a retweet. When you see it come out on the old Twitter machine, you can, of course, find us on Twitter at Spartan underscore pod. And please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It helps other people find it. We greatly appreciate it. Gentlemen, uh, this is going to be a bit of a freeform show. Of course, we are going to have a Green Wall segment where we talk about the week that was in Michigan State Athletics before we head off Grand River, where we talk about some of the news around the nation and in other places in the Big Ten. Uh, And finally, we will wrap it up with a predictive preview of the Big Ten tournament before we head to your Twitter questions. So, gents, uh, did anything happen this week? Did did stuff go on? I didn't watch any basketball this week, did I? I also forgot that basketball was on. Uh, so, uh, it, I want to, I want to credit, uh, Reddit college football on, uh, on the old Twitter machine for pointing out that Michigan state has had probably its worst, uh, no, definitely its worst basketball season in our living memory. Um, and one of its worst football seasons in our living memory as well. And there is only one team it beat twice, uh, in those two sports. And that is of course the Wolverines. But before we chat about games against Michigan, Let's spend a minute on our poor man who is about ready to figure out how to file for unemployment, Archie Miller. Um, <laughs> yeah, who's got an extra beer here to pour out for Archie? Because oh, good I will God, not waste beers on Archie Miller. Yes, here, here. That here. team gave up on its coach that game. Unreal. I've never seen a team quite fold, but still <laughs> also remain somewhat in the game by some miracle. Yeah. So let's, yeah, for people who maybe missed the game for some reason, uh, Michigan State pulls out uh, at home 64 to 58 in a game that felt closer than it should have been. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah. But but for sure, uh, as uh, fans of the pod may recall, we said Trace Jackson Davis, the dude to watch out for. 
plays 27 minutes and nine points only, and at times appeared visibly frustrated with his coach. Uh, more than that, uh, he, he, he explicitly told his coach where to go uh, yeah. on the sideline. Yeah. Uh, that was caught on video. Yeah. Uh, not a good sign. That's not what you want, Archie, when uh, your athletic director is uh, deciding whether or not to retain your services for another year. You know, can um, I just say, though, I mean, let's be clear. Uh, this, what's his name? Trace? Also, unless your name is Tracy, I'm not calling you Trace. That's not going to happen. But second, grow up. Like, that. that's not a good look, young man. It's, 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 it's icky. And I'll tell you what it comes from. It comes from the people in your life constantly hyping you up and referring to themselves as your camp. It starts young. It is a virus. It may be more dangerous to the psyche than COVID is, if we're being completely frank. And and I I I hate to say, but it may portend ill things for us with a certain young recruit whose camp is very officious and self flattering. So uh, if, if Imani Bates ends up being anything like Trace Jackson Davis, I'd rather just throw myself into Bo Borowski and consummate it after all. All right. We're so get all the stories conflated. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to stand in stark contrast. One, I guarantee you Izzo has heard that word in one or two, uh, huddles this season. Um, and two, uh, we don't know anything about Imani Bates, uh, that we didn't know three weeks ago. Like uh, maybe he's got a camp, maybe he doesn't, but anyway, anyway, just going to take the other side of that argument for a moment. Yeah. Well, you'd, you'd be wrong, but it's fine. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. (laughs) Suffice it to say, watching us beat up an Indiana like that felt nice. It felt very, very nice. Agree. So we should talk about that game first. We should talk about the Michigan game, the first one for a second. And then, of course, we'll spend time on the second one. So Trace Jackson Davis, 27 minutes, visibly upset at times. Um, did you know play okay? Uh, seven rebounds, nine points. I believe it was his first time this season that we, he was held under 10 points. And we almost did that to Io uh, a couple weeks ago now. So this, uh, I have been very impressed with not just the way that this team has played, but the schemes that have been implemented against the teams that we've played during this time as well. Because it has been clear to me that the scouts and that the game plans have been not perfect. I'm sure there are things that you can pick apart as a fan. Um, But, I mean, obviously making these really good teams do things that they don't want to do and uh, causing visible frustration in several cases. I was I was just looking at the box score and was surprised that Thomas Kithier only had four minutes yeah. in the game because he was in the last outing so effective against Trace Jackson Davis. Mm-hmm. But then I saw in four minutes he had three personal fouls. So, <laughs> yeah, that's another thing that MSU has just sort of like embraced during this time is just throw bodies at dudes. Just yeah. the, there's not a big drop off from one guy to another. Yeah. So just throw bodies, make them uncomfortable, do things, get in their zone. And if it's Kithier, three personal fouls in four minutes, or if it's Sissoko fall or uh, Sissoko didn't, but uh, 
who fouled out? Marble fouled out in that game? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Marble's had a ton of fouls in the last three games, so I can't keep track of all of them. Um, he did. He had four. He had four. He had four. Okay. Uh, and Bingham, like, coming alive in, in these most recent three games. It's been very impressive, although he did shoot one for five in that Indiana game. But I... I thought huge contributions in each one of the three games that we played. Well, yeah, Bingham had six rebounds in addition to his three points plus three blocks and a steal. I mean, three blocks and a steal. I mean, that's, that's four possessions you robbed. Yeah. Um, That's a, a, you know, and that's not counting anything else you, you know, that just doesn't show up in the box score. Uh, He did play quite well. Um, You know, if I, if I had to, pick things to complain about in this game. It continued a, uh, a trend that we'll probably carry over here in a minute of Michigan state seeming tired, which isn't really a complaint. It's just a reality. Yeah. Uh, but also that I think it's, it's fair to say that Michigan state with, I can think of one exception in the conference where we have not played down to our opponent. Hmm. So, I mean, look, you you knock off uh, two slash three, depending on sort of what your barometer is in Michigan once, which we'll get to. But you also knock off four and five in uh, Ohio State and Illinois. And these are national yet, rankings that you're referencing. Yeah, national rankings. Yet uh, can't, you know, you take care of business, sure, against a, a bubble team in Indiana. But like you didn't you didn't own it. Yeah. Um, you would have hoped for maybe a bit of a blowout in the game, though you can look at sort of the circumstances, sure, and, and pass along. The, the circumstances being this is a team that can't blow anyone out. <laughs> There's the circumstances that you're referring to. With the exception of Rutgers, that one time. Yeah. Uh, I We did talk last week, and I wanted to reiterate, uh, this was the game that Aaron Henry single-handedly put the team on his back and willed them into a win. I mean, correct. That, that game was close with what three and a half, four yes. minutes to play. Yeah. yeah. It was all on Henry. I mean, Watts played 15 minutes and didn't score at all. In fact, yeah. uh, he had, he had, uh, was, had no blocks, no steals, no boards, and was responsible for one turnover. So you, you, you couldn't, again, to your point, Jones playing down, or I, I should say, I mean, it's not always down because they do, they play up. Um, they play at the level of their opponents. And that's been a consistent thing. That's a, that's an Izzo problem, frankly. I don't know why and how it happens, but that's been a consistent narrative for, for a Michigan State basketball team forever. Um, what is inconsistent, though, and what is unpredictable is when Rocket Watts decides to play. And, God, it was glorious to watch him play today. <laughs> yeah, this is a non-Watts slander uh, podcast for this week. Only. Ah, <laughs> very good. Very good. Um, that was decided in pre-production. Yeah. Well, we didn't need so, Watts to uh, score in the Indiana game because <laughs> Aaron Henry said, "Hold my beer." Yeah, unreal. It, it was a it was a tale of two programs in the last three minutes of that game. One ascended itself into the NCAA tournament, and the other one decided its coach was gone, and they <laughs> were just oh, they were just like walking you know into the darkness. Um, yeah, and fortunately, this podcast is for the Spartans and not the Hoosiers. Correct. So yes, they went gentle into that good they, night. Sure uh, so, do we want to move to the the Michigan game, the first one? Yeah. Before we before we get all slappy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. 
So uh, Michigan State travels to Ann Arbor and loses 50-69 to in their, what, sixth game in 13 days, um, allowing Michigan to hoist a banner as outright Big Ten champions and... Um, with an asterisk. I believe there's an asterisk. Yeah, I believe the folks at, uh, in Urbana-Champaign have an asterisk on that, but, but go on. Yeah, uh, but so, um, you know, the... The game, I, I think a lot of people broke it down as as there were two very critical moments in that game mm-hmm. that really seemed to turn the tide. Um, I'm not convinced that it's it, – that feels a bit reductive um, to say that it really was just those two moments. Uh, in fairness, Michigan hit shots. Michigan State didn't. I think limiting Michigan to 69 points, you would say, okay – maybe, maybe there's a chance. Like if you only knew that variable, you wouldn't have given up hope on Michigan state being competitive in that game. Mm-hmm. Though in reality, despite it, it only being a 19 point loss, I think the lead at one point in time was, uh, it was almost up to here. 30. I mean, it got out of hand. Yeah. It, to me, it was yeah, a, it was, it was a tale of two halves. So, it, it, well, really it was a tale of the first 18 minutes and then the last 22 minutes of the game because when Aaron Henry got his third foul on what was second foul, foul, pardon me. uh, um, What was a pretty basketball play flagrant one, I guess, technically according to the rules, potentially a flagrant one. We can talk Mm -hmm. about that in a minute. Mm -hmm. Uh, To me, that was the complete turning point. At that point, this team didn't have the legs. It needed some kind of, you know, emotional drive to stay in that game. And when it lost it, things fell apart as a result of a team playing five games in nine days or whatever, whatever it had been at that point. Um, But what was important is the first 18 minutes of that game was proof of concept that MSU is every bit the team that it needs to be to beat Michigan. And I was confident from those 18 minutes. The team clearly was confident from those 18 minutes and we got the result we got today. Um, But we're not there yet. Anything else you guys want to say about the Michigan game? Well, I, I wanted to say, I think specifically, and I don't know how much you want to get into it now or not, but uh, I, I I do look at that flagrant and I do think it changes. There's a lot that happens as a result of that flagrant foul and going into Mm -hmm. the half down 11 uh right we were down 11 at the half 10? yeah instead of five yeah. instead of five yeah we were down yep. down five flagrant happens and they the went up nine and then they 11. got two more yep and went down 11 so you know that is that's a that's a big big hurdle you think about going what going in at five would have been or even maybe we close it to three um that that 18 minute energy that you talk about greg which i completely agree with i mean it was fun to watch the first half um, that changed. And so some of that's coaching. Uh, you got to give Michigan a lot of credit. They did make their shots and they had a reason to, um, they wanted to asterisk win out and they did and good for them. I mean, they did, they just gotten shat on by Illinois. And so that was great. I loved watching that, but you knew they were going to come in hot. It, it doesn't help. I I'll tell you that I don't know about what the rule is intending there. I, and I don't know about how uh, my, my reading of what a flagrant one means and a flagrant two for that matter is it requires intent. Um, and that intent is inquired with both. And 
you know, the most dangerous thing that to ask a referee is to judge intent because you can't, you have to get into a player's head to do that. Um, well, so my understanding of, of the flagrant one, which is to say that it is misnamed because uh, flagrant by definition it, it ascribes some att- intent, right. right. To the right. action, but that, that any, any touching to the face is considered a, a flagrant one foul that you, you know, um, a, you can start ascribing more intent in the flagrant two space. Um, and, and which obviously leads to your ejection, but that I, I kind of wanted to chat about this for a couple reasons and it only maybe a bit academic, but I look at a, the foul and, and I think about it in the same way that, um, you know, football instituted the targeting rules, mm-hmm. right? And that that you know, people will complain that there are are targeting calls that result in ejections when you know it's a you may it, it, the 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 name is a bit of a, a misnomer in that you wouldn't say the person was really targeting, but nonetheless, it was a a hit that is dangerous to the game, right? Sure, but. One of the things that I've argued and said about in the football sphere is that what they're really trying to do is is alter the way uh, players tackle because it, it makes the game safer. So, you know, keep your head up. Don't lead with your head. Mm-hmm. You know, keep your body low. Like th- that's a that's a, a fundamental shift in the way we tackle and and or players tackle. And, and over time, you will see fewer and fewer targeting calls made because as that rule cascades down through the ranks and fundamentals are taught differently, you will see less dangerous plays in football. And so there's a clear, a very clear incentive on the way that tackling is taught that, that it's worthwhile to have that punishment in place. I look and and I say all of that to say that I look at the Aaron Henry play and I see two things. First, I see that it was a dead ball because there was a foul called on the floor right. and that, that Franz Wagner chose to continue on with right. play. But let's set that aside and pretend that that's all part of the continuation. He couldn't have reacted to the whistle in time. And so whatever, let's just, let's, or let's assume there was no foul called on the floor. I don't see Aaron Henry changing a single thing about the way he made that play mm-hmm. ever irrespective of whatever foul they could have levied upon him because he went to the bucket and Franz Wagner's face happened to be in the way a little bit. Yeah. Well, and if, I don't know if you saw this at the end of this game tonight, uh, Wagner took a little bit of chin music too. And again, jumped over backwards, did a reverse somersault, threw himself on the ground because his face got near uh, someone's arm again. Yeah. Someone might call it a Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean it's 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 just obnoxious. And again, I think that's I think that's just softness. But I, you know, again, I think if that's the rule, and it may very well be, then there has to be consistent enforcement of it. And clearly, if that was a technical foul or a flagrant foul on Thursday, why the hell was the same thing not? And it's not like they can't review it. It, it that wasn't even the foul. They reviewed something antecedent to the foul, right? I mean, it, it, so it's, um, it's, yeah, it's also a thing that only gets reviewed if it gets sold by 
the player. Like, which is why Wagner is big time. Exactly. That kind uh, of incidental contact is going to be missed by officials unless it is mimed up by the player. You got it. I, 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 the one other thing that I noted in the past two games, and I'm sure they're just, I've been a little bit more keen to it, but there were a number of times where, and I think it was both times actually that a Michigan player hit the deck um, uh, on on offensive contact by a Michigan State mm-hmm. player, and I think it was last year that they they instituted the uh, sort of point of emphasis about flopping. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that they're flops, but I don't understand how a player hits the deck that hard, and it's either. That it's not a call of some sort. It's either a flop or a charge or a. I mean, that was called out on the broadcast today. Yes. When Rocket. Oh, I missed. I missed if they said uh, that. Rocket uh, took the ball with two or three minutes to play. Had to take it across half court. Mike Smith. Smith sells it. Flopped. And it's like that's either a foul. uh, That's either a you know an arm bar or that's a flop. Like there's nowhere in between the way that the rules are written right now. And that happened in the first game as well. And so I, look, I, I think we could spend a lot of time uh, maybe complaining about because I, I, I think in the first game against Michigan, which is technically our topic right now, um, no one would have been thrilled with how that game was called. You may say as a Michigan fan that you feel like you netted out ahead because Aaron Henry had to leave, but it, they ruined all flow in that game. It was a bad game to watch. Indeed. And, and so... We should have said this for you know, the Indiana it, game as well, because I think there were 45 fouls in 40 yes. minutes in that game. It was unwatchable at times. I am. I'm kind of with Graham couch as much as I find him to be quite repetitive in this point. <laughs> Speaking of but the that, word reductive. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that college basketball should move to six fouls per player. It seems silly not to. It, it and you know, you don't have Aaron Henry going out then, and at least it's a real game. Now we may have benefited a bit in the second game, which maybe that's a transition point, but uh, it was it, it was ass. I watched ass for two yeah, state I, games, and it was because of the officials. I I have enough. I have to watch enough ass watching Michigan State. I, I that's I it. I want to artificially end this conversation because we didn't want to talk this much about the officials and i think we should talk about the second michigan game for what it was sure and, and so but before we do because i i don't like ending a conversation about a loot a loss on talking about the officials because michigan has a really great basketball team this yeah. year that is very clear yep. and so um as back to back to back Big Ten champions, I would like to tip our cap to them and say congratulations. It doesn't get old. Trust us. So you guys had a great team and 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 won it this year. Unless you know you're an Illinois fan, in which case you have thoughts. So yes, let's move on to punching our tickets to the dance. Yes, which is what happened today. I mean, by any measure, there is no team, maybe in the nation, with better wins on their record than this team. Uh, like, now talk, talk to me about the losses. Okay. So there are some gnarly <laughs> losses, uh, but there are also no better wins than any team. And we're going to talk about bracketology in a little bit, 
the best bracketologists already had MSU in the dance before another top five win. So I, I think you can sleep easy MSU fans. You are going to the tournament. That is one streak that is not ending this year. Uh, guys, your thoughts on a game against Michigan where uh, Aaron <laughs> Henry did not lead in scoring, that it was indeed <laughs> Mr. Rocket Watts coming out of nowhere. 33 minutes. How many points? 21 points. 50% from the floor. Um, and then just like unreal free throw shooting to to ice this game. And four boards, four assists. And he had two turnovers, but I would say one of them was bull. Uh, that one at the end where he was pushed out of bounds, I, I call shenanigans. Yeah. yeah, that was terrible. That was actually terrible. Yep. But so yeah, heck, have a ga- heck of a game from Rocket. So Plum, you want to say something? I'm nice going things? to. I have been consistent in my vitriol toward him. Uh, and tonight he demonstrated what the hype machine is about. You know, we we have seen. I think we saw uh, a, a maybe not as comparable, but a, but a, an effective game when they mm-hmm. played Duke at mm-hmm. Cameron. Um, but we have that's but good, we have yeah. not seen a performance like this in the Big Ten campaign of 2021 and uh he showed up when it mattered i i i told this pod i told these listeners we would not make the big dance this year i was wrong and uh you and i talked on the phone this week jones and i said in my mind we had to beat michigan at least once i said that isn't gonna happen and you said we absolutely will win at home and look it happened we did and that is a testament to rocket watts so i am grateful to eat my crow uh, I'm grateful for Tom Izzo and this team that they're going to go. Um, I am also looking forward to Rocket collapsing in some performance and costing us a game so that I can <laughs> oh, yeah. get back to my just desserts and feel like I was never wrong. Uh, Worth it. <laughs> but so but well, good for him. Can we talk about... Yeah, let's... I want to talk about two guys because, I mean, Aaron Henry, we'll just say 37 minutes, uh, six for 13 from the field, one for two from the three-point line, five for six from free th- uh, the free throw line, three assists, no turnovers, one steal, 18 points. Hell of a game from Aaron Henry. Like, I, Great. Like, but that's been that's been consistent. So I don't want to talk about We're Aaron Henry. We're taking you for granted, than, Aaron. Yep. Yeah. And, and so when we remember Aaron Henry, he should be absolutely remembered as a dude, a guy, and a man who willed us to yes. the tournament and saved, yes. you know, it, it was, it was Spartan yes. pride, right? Like he, he took Izzo's legacy as a legacy about being a Spartan and he got us there. So I don't, I, I don't want to talk about Aaron Henry right now because I think Aaron Henry's a, a whole sort of appreciation podcast postseason, yep. right? But two dudes I do want to talk about. <laughs> Uh, Joey Hauser and Marcus Bingham. And so let me just call out some stat lines before we get okay. into it. So Joey Hauser only had 17 minutes in this game, five boards, four fouls, which I'm good with, and 11 points, including five for seven from the field and one for two from three-point land. Marcus Bingham, 24 minutes, which has got to be his season high. Yeah, One for two from the field three for five from the free throw line 
eight boards, three fouls, one assist, one block, and three steals. Talk about a dude playing his role on the team. You got it. Yes. We And, and Greg, you and I chatted a little bit earlier today about it. So let's start with Marcus, and then we'll move to Joey, because I think Joey is a, a bit more of a, maybe there's something there going forward. But the Marky is interesting from a, uh, he is now, you know, ever since he got benched for shooting that three pointer <laughs> has played his role, right? Like to a mm-hmm. T. So someone, someone take it from here. Greg, I'll, I'll turn to you. No, uh, I mean, he, and then he also, what's really important is he played really well against Hunter Dickinson, who was totally out of his game and unable really to make any kind of difference here. And Mark, and, and MSU fans, if you only watched two games this year with Hunter Dickinson, the last two games against MSU, what you missed is that this kid, Hunter Dickinson, is like one of the most efficient guys in the Big Ten. Like, yeah. in the nation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, disruptive plays again within his role, gets things done, very, very efficient. And he was totally taken out of what he liked to do in this game by most of our bigs but especially Marcus Bingham. And then, you know, Bingham comes in with eight rebounds. He comes in with three steals. He gets a big block uh, and he does it, plays 24 minutes, 24 physical minutes with only three fouls. I mean, really, really good. And only two attempts from the field, which is, he came in like sort of his identity was a bit of a shooter, a big shooter. And uh, his contributions to this team entirely in the other columns on the uh, on the box score. Very, very impressive. Yeah, that turned back. The field goal he missed, by the way, his sort of step back shot. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with him ever shooting. Like he had a mismatch on that, too. He wasn't up against Dickinson. He wasn't against Davis. Like he had inches on the dude that was guarding mm-hmm. him. He just missed. It's It's OK, right? Like. That's okay. He's got that shot in his repertoire. Like if they, he had the mismatch and he pulled the trigger, like his shot selection has been good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God, I mean, it, I, you don't need a lot of points from him, but if you told me that he went off for 14 in a game, the way he's been playing fundamentally, I wouldn't be totally shocked. No, totally agree. So let's chat about Hauser for a second. Because maybe the most efficient stat line on the board? Yeah. Plum, are you over there gnawing on some hay? I, to, uh, I'll, let you, I'll let you get away with Bingham. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to intercede against Hauser, but I want you to <laughs> set up your case first. So we saw, we saw a few things from Hauser today. And frankly, the last few games where he's made some clutch shots, including clutch free throws and clutch three-pointers, but what we saw from him today was a driving game that I didn't fully know he had. He's been doing this the last week or so, basically. Yeah, and he had a post-game earlier in the year that we just somehow went away from. Um, Only took two three-pointers, one of which was on a play that I'm shocked that MSU doesn't have built in, which was Aaron Henry started to drive a bit on a break, not completely, but a bit on a break and just pitched it back to Hauser for a three. The trailing. I mean, everyone collapsed. Yeah. Everyone collapsed on Henry as he drove the lane. 
Hauser was on a trailing three. That's a shot he will knock down all day. So five boards, four fouls. Again, not mad about no. the fouls. Five for seven from the field, one for two from three-point land. Honestly, he should have. we should find a way for him to take a couple more threes in a game. I think it's the same with Gabe, who went over two today, but in overall four overall. But like Hauser in seventeen minutes, eleven points. That's that's pretty yeah. good. I, I'm interested. In Plum, what do you, what what do you got about okay. our corner right. fed? So boy. let's let's look historically at Hauser here. Hauser uh, eleven points is is definitely not par for the course for him. It is par for his good games, and he's had about five or six good games this season where he has scored north of ten points. Um, at least in the Big Ten campaign, I should say. So uh, the best of those was against Illinois uh, a couple weeks ago, right? Where he was, he bat a thousand basically on on shots. He was three for three from the field. He was two for two from behind the three point line. Um, and even that game, he only scored 13 points. But let's be very clear. He was 0 for three at Michigan and he was 0 for three um, from behind the line uh, at, at Indiana as well. And he was only 50% at Maryland, a game that, again, he scored 11 points on in a game that didn't really matter for us. It wasn't a game that we won. Uh, he was ish at Ohio State. He only shot 600. I mean, I guess that's three for five. The, the problem with him is that, and so, you know, you say, Jones, that Hauser's making good shot selection. I look at this and his shot selection is not good. In fact, he wasn't, he was clutched tonight when we needed him to be. Um, he had maybe one clutch two-point play uh, against uh, from the field, I guess, against Indiana. But on a night he went two for six, that's not good enough. A night that he scored six points. Hauser's problem is, for me at least, and again, I you got to get out of the, their heads, I guess, but he has some serious mental block. And I'm glad that he kind of got out of it tonight. But he is a guy that we have to be relying on to get at least 10 points a game. Um, and he has a handful of those performances where he is steady and he's coming up with steals. He's not turning the ball over, but for a kid that's got 50 turnovers on the season. Yeah. I mean, that is, you know, and he gets in his head about it and then he's just shooting like crap. Uh, he's inconsistent from the three. So, you know, is there more there? I'd love there to be more there. Um, and I'd love to figure out a rhythm um, because you're right. We have found some sort of rhythm with him and Henry. Um, he is getting some looks he did post up a couple of times and made some floaters that I was like, Oh, you, you can do that. When did you get, when, when? Yeah. So, he threw it at the basket a couple of times and it just went in. He literally <laughs> threw it and it <laughs> went in. And I was like, Oh, wait a minute, which is fine because I don't know how many layups like rocket Watts has attempted all season. And the, the literally it's like all of a sudden the hoop turns triangular and rejects the ball. I mean, that kid is, to, and you know, I hate Ryan, uh, rocket Watts generally, but the the hoop has fucked Rocket Watts up more than anyone else has this season. <laughs> I I guess I think in all right you you raise some good points about Joey Hauser overall, but as I think we're going to chat a little bit about the sort of last two weeks and then we will move on from basketball. But the the fact of the matter is is it's been two weeks of Michigan State figuring out what their offense is, mm-hmm. and it's still not pretty. Yeah. But as we've said all season. Joey Hauser doesn't operate well without a point guard. None of them do. And so, <laughs> Let's be clear. None of well, them do. Correct. But but we finally have an offense that has some identity. I mean, I, I put a couple asterisks on that. It but, has a point but committee, ha- including right. point forward. 
Yeah. Yes. But Joey Hauser has been playing better with an offense that is more fluid. So, you know, look, Jade Nakins comes in next year. Hopefully he is what, what we hope he might be. And, and I expect, I expect big things from Hauser. Um, the offense was stale the entire year. And, but Hey, but you know what? Why are we dwelling on this? We're going Let's to the, go dance. the dance. We beat Do Michigan. It. It's great. And this, was a, uh, this was a huge shot in the arm game. Uh, I mean, they won this game. Let's be clear about it. Like, you know, Dickinson didn't play well. Mo Wagner did his usual disappear almost the entire game and then make a few big shots out of nowhere. Um, Eli Brooks, Eli Brooks got did hurt. go down. Um, we hope for recovery. Indeed. For him. Uh, Mike Smith hit some big shots. Uh, but I mean, this was a game that MSU won. I, so I think there's a lot to be encouraged by here. Um, okay. There are some notables. Uh, first off, this is apparently the first game that uh, Rocket Watts' mom has attended while he's been in college. Oh. So that's a very nice human interest angle. Um, Hogard. No Hogard in the second half. In fact, Tom decides to go on the Jack Hoiberg train. That was interesting. He passed up wide open shots. Yeah. Wide open. Like, why are you on the floor? Yep. If if you're not even going to attempt those shots. Uh, I don't know. I wonder what his plus minus was. I don't know. But Hogard wasn't in. Hoiberg was. That's interesting. I don't know how to read it. But it's very interesting to me. Kithier didn't play at all. I think we can assume that's because he got eaten up in the first Michigan game. Uh, and Izzo mentioned in his post-game presser that he thinks Langford might have a bit of an injury. I didn't get that impression today, but I would, I would defer to him. Uh, but Langford did hit a huge, huge clutch three, which was then capped off by huge free throws by Gabe Brown. So. And that was intended in the production. I was going to get rid of it, but now the people won't know what we're talking about. So we're going to leave it in. Yep. Uh, I I mean, a huge, huge win. Yeah. Some interesting things. I think, an, was this another never used before starting lineup? Uh, with probably with Hall, Marble, Henry, Hogard and Langford. Like, I don't think we've seen that, was that before. Wasn't that the starting lineup last time? I think it was against the, the previous time. Oh, was it? Game. I mean, yeah. I would normally think there'd be like a Bingham or something in there. Um, but uh, huge game, huge momentum. Unbelievable. Izzo in tears at the end, which I mean, I think tells you his confidence level about making the yeah. tournament. Yep. He knew he knew he knew um, he made it tonight. Do we know and, who participated yeah. in senior night? Is it just, was it just Langford, presumably? Uh, and I think that was, uh, what I read was that was minimal because he did it last season. Okay. So he didn't even kiss the court because he did it And because season, which is, he could come back again if he really wanted to. <laughs> oh, we're not even, that's not even in the outline and I don't think we should spend time <laughs> on it. It seems unlikely to me yeah. that he comes back, but uh, you never know. Um, so let's, uh, two things we, we, we need to get out of the way is, um, if there was concern about Michigan state, and I don't know that there is, it's in the net, which they continue to be not good in. Um, 
I, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because we kind of hit it uh, earlier, but uh, they're, they entered the game 74th in the net, which the highest or the lowest ranked team in the net to make the tournament before is 73rd. Uh, but there are teams that are 30 to 50 points higher than, than them in the net that uh, um, do not have as impressive of a resume. Mm-hmm. It seems what's really holding us down is in the same way that everyone we play in Ken Palm seems to be top 30. Uh, it's, it's our efficiency metrics that are just killing us. And that's because there's some games where, where we get MSU out. is complete garbage. Yeah. Just like when MSU decides garbage. to lose, they lose. In <laughs> they lose. So there is no doubt that we did not win. Yes. Yeah. So, it, uh, you can't blame it on the refs. You lost. So there exists uh, a service called Bracket Matrix, and it ranks the pre-tournament brackets, the speculative brackets. And uh, it's worth noting that Joe Lenardi, ESPN's favorite, uh, is like 50th in these rankings. So Lenardi is the normie bracketologist. Don't listen to him. As I said before, the top five already had MSU and the inline either comfortably in or in that first four. And that was before another top five win. And now with Ken Palm all up to date, the way that it should be, MSU is Ken Palm number 56, which is very comfortably in for a power five conference team with this kind of resume. So I'm not going to lose any sleep on selections Saturday Eve, you know, no, but it, let's just not get blown out by Rutgers, sure. right? Like, let's just not do that. I don't care win, lose. I mean, I would like to win, uh, but just don't get blown out. And I would like to not face Michigan a third time. That would be great. So if they could lose, that'd be great. Oh, wait, nope. That's who we'll play no matter what. <laughs> so losing is not an option for them. We will have to play them a third time if we beat Rutgers. Yay. Uh, you want to talk to Monty for a second? Uh, yeah, I read the article. Did you read it? <laughs> all right. So, all right, here, here uh, let me lay the groundwork. I'll turn it over to Greg Plum. You can just hyperventilate That's through fine. the whole thing. Does that sound Thanks. like a plan? All right. So Brennan Quinn, uh, writer for the athletic who covers Michigan and Michigan state hoops, um, had an opportunity to sit down. It did, did a lot of reporting, talked to a lot of people in a well-sourced story about Amani Bates. The Michigan State angle we'll get to in a we, second. Hold on, we should is, be very clear. Well-sourced did not include actually talking to Amani Bates. <laughs> Correct. That's, that is fair. Uh, yes, yeah, so it, it, the closest he got was, I believe, Amani's dad. Um, oh, so it was camp. All right, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great uh so the story was largely I, I mean if you if you followed the through line of the story the story was really about a family's challenge desire objective of getting someone who was identified at a very young age as a basketball prodigy and an nba talent how do you get that that child to the nba and the the challenges and the decisions and the the attempt to control that process while letting their kid kind of be their kid at the same mm-hmm. time. And so, you know, there's there's literally 
a sentence in the entire story that that got aggregated and hopped on and was a major point of emphasis for Michigan State fans. But the reality is, is that it was a a a well-written story about a family and and the challenges they're going through in in trying to shepherd their child's career and let him making make the decisions along the way to the best that they can let him make those decisions with the ultimate driver um, being getting him to the NBA, just getting yes. him there. Yeah. Um, and you know, if it, and I don't mean this in a, in a shitty way though, it might came, come across that way, but like, how, how do you monetize all that? Right. And, and how do you set up a legacy there? Mm-hmm. It, it, like, it, I mean, you can, <laughs> You can do all those things in the best interest of your child. And, you know, uh, if if setting up, for instance, they set up a whole school in his in, in sort of in his name and in in molded around him. But like, how do you turn that into a legacy that is a continual income? Which, which in fairness that, to this school does sound better than some of the basketball mills that are out there right now where it's oh, not yeah. even, no, no, it doesn't I don't even mean attempt that in a bad way. to be a school. Like they outlined it. It's a fairly legit online Academy with some level of accreditation and then a, a connection to Amos, uh, Delhi in Ann Arbor, because of course, why wouldn't it? Uh, we also found out in this article why, uh, Izzo was on the judge Mattis show two years ago. Apparently, that dude is connected to the Bates family. So there was a, uh, there was a great mystery resolved. Um, Jonesy, what was your big takeaway from this story? And then we'll focus on the MSU as, as the dad on the podcast, what was your takeaway from this? Let's assume Blake is the next basketball prodigy. (laughs) What did you think as a result of this? Um, I thought they were parents who were trying their best. I, I mean, uh, you know, it, you, what's, what's tough and frustrating for them, I'm sure, is that if it was most other things in life, that there are ways that you can sort of hold income earned by your child and trust for their benefit. Mm-hmm. That's not an option because they need to, for, weird reasons maintain his amateur status but it seems like they've set up an income source for for them as parents which they've they've certainly spent on their child in plenty of ways uh to to benefit his his pursuits at something he's very good at so like let's not lose sight of that at all that you know if you're if your kid's good at Olympic sports, you spend a ton of money on yep. them, making them better at Olympic sports. Like it, this it isn't bonkers what they're doing. And it, it struck me as some of the more interesting things that came out of it were reporting a bit on Amani's personality, that he's a, a pretty shy yeah. kid who comes most alive when he's on the basketball court and is a bit of a fierce competitor. And that seemingly though it's hard because he was not interviewed um, to be self-driven, though it's hard not to believe his parents have a bit rubbed off on him on the sort of like you miss a shot, you take. Well, kind of maybe thing. they address that as well. I'm going to jump in on that sure. because uh, that has been some of the reporting on him for the last several years is that he is just basketball driven and he, he is like a basketball yeah. machine in practice. 
Um, yeah, but how do you get that way? Okay, fair. The part about him being shy off the court jumped off the page to me because the whole thing, and there there was a follow-up, like a, you could say, like a, there was like a partner podcast where Brennan Quinn sat down and talked about it. And it was two older guys talking about how this is just a family trying to get their son to the NBA. And my issue with that, and I'd like to think that this would be the same issue if he wasn't committed to MSU, if he was committed to any school, is he's a human being. He's a kid. I think back to me at that age, and I think back to, you know, my growth and development by being around peers. And he's not around peers right now. He's in a basketball bubble with just his dad and his teammates and a coach who I think there has there's been his coach. Well, ever. That's right. Can we just, I mean, I think you touched on this, Mike, but I thumbed through that article and I would say that the, the narrative that came to me more than anything else was the control that his dad wants for him. Now, I don't know that that's necessarily paternalistic or problematic. I think it's what a parent would do for their child and, and, the, and his motivations aren't necessarily wrong. He talks about setting a son up for generational wealth which especially mm-hmm. in African-American communities, given how racist and discriminating structures have prevented mm-hmm. the vast majority of black families in this yeah. country from obtaining generational wealth or passing it on is incredibly important. But you know, he specifically, Quinn quotes him as saying, I want control of the narrative at all times. That is not, well, I, that, I, that's not doing in mind. I mean, I, listen, I'm not going to get any more into this other than to say Parents, that helicopter parenting, and you've seen this play out in a lot of the narratives, a lot of the camp garbage, a lot of the way that he's had conflict with other players on his team and everything else, that factor of controlling the narrative. And so then you talk about a kid who isn't getting those looks and those opportunities. One does have to ask some questions because I think that that's, that's going to be problematic. So I, Let's uh, we could, we, let's, uh, well, Greg, I don't, I, I'm just going to cut you off for a second and I'm sorry, no, go for it. but the. The, the analogy that I, I think is fair to make for Imani, and again, this is an article worth reading, yes. right? Like it, it got aggregated into one thing about MSU, which we will touch on in a second, but that uh, what's fascinating about it to me is that the analogies between this and and children or, or teenagers who become some version of a reality star or a pop star is not that different. And so- you know, uh, there's a lot of talk about all the things that went in for Imani to play a high school game. Yep. Not this is pre prep school security and and like monitoring his movements and having extra exits for him. They had to move to the ins- Eastern Convocation Center because the games got so right. big. Yeah, and, and so so Plum, I, I I absolutely appreciate what you're saying, and and I I think it's it's. I can only imagine that it's an incredibly challenging thing as a parent because I don't know that there's a right answer, right? Like, do you let your kid who's not, as you've said before about teenagers, their frontal cortex is not fully formed yet. Do you let them go out and be, be brash teenagers and interact with media and fans in a way that probably is not healthy or do you control them in a way that maybe is also not like, I don't know that there's a right answer yeah. here. And so I, you know, Greg, I will turn it back over to you, but I genuinely read it as parents who are trying their freaking best to get a kid who has, who is 
in Sports Illustrated as the next big thing. And and by the way, if your kid is that, why would you not take that press to up his market value for generational wealth? Like, I don't know that there's a good path for them here. So I'll just leave it at that. I I I read I read their attempts as sincere. I I do too. And I do too. Uh, so let's let's bridge that over. The one sentence, there are the three sentences that got aggregated is that no one in Amani's camp expect him to actually go to college. So. To MSU in particular. Yes. Yes. Uh, Well, to any college. He's going to go to MSU if he's going to college. So uh, let me just make a case for that. Uh, This has come from hearing quite a bit from Gary Harris's family about their decision to have him come back for a second year. And it sounds like actually they would have liked to have brought him back for more. Is that once you go to the NBA, basketball is your life. It's your profession you, that is all you do. That is who you are from that point forward. And for a guy like Amani, that means that as a 18 year old, he's going to be a super millionaire. He's going to go in the top five, top three, whatever it's going to end up being. And he will never, ever again, have a social opportunity to be in any kind of circle or interact with any other human where he isn't Amani Bates first round draft pick, you know, supposed to be NBA superstar. The case, and I, and I understand the case for generational wealth, and I, I think that that's important as well, although I don't think you have to make $250 million, which is what they're, what they're estimating is uh, his lifetime value as a basketball player, which is probably on the, the low side, given the way that NBA contracts yeah. are trending. Um, I don't think you need that much money to have generational wealth. And I also think that there's something to be said for an opportunity for him to be on a college campus where he's not going to be a regular student. Like I'm not naive to that. You know, obviously (laughs) basketball will still be a big part of his life, but he will be in classes with his peers. He will interact with people that don't play basketball. And while he'll be a big deal, people around him will get used to him just being Amani. And I, what I was trying to say before, and I might not have done a good job of this, is I remember part of what I loved so much about my time on campus, and maybe one year isn't enough to have done this, was the emotional and social growth that I experienced while I was here as well. I think that has been inval- invaluable. And that is something that he has no chance of getting under the current setup of him being in this insular bubble where he's just playing with his team with his dad straight to the NBA. Now, maybe that's not important. Maybe that's not necessary. Um, But I would say that in terms of Amani as a person, it's his only opportunity for an experience like that. He'll also have the benefit of, Izzo's not shy about giving media access, right? So he'll have all the, the institutional protections of MSU, but, and, and the sort of kid gloves that, that, Sometimes the athletes are treated here with here, which is fine and probably the right thing to do because they're mm-hmm. amateurs. But but we'll have we'll have at least a year of development to to sort of transition to the pros. Now, I, I honestly, I hope Amani just does what feels right to him. I yeah, I, I don't care so if he comes to MSU to, up, to, to upset Plum even further. He posted on Instagram something about you know, don't believe it until you've heard it directly from Amani. So 
Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, so uh, the truth, he has a decision to make. Well, the truth is he doesn't need MSU to go to the NBA. And in fact, if getting him to the NBA is the only thing that matters, he, MSU is probably an unnecessary risk in doing that. All right. Very good. Yes. All right. That's more than enough Imani Bates for the rest of the calendar year. Please, God, let us never talk about him again. In this it podcast. was a big, I mean, he, he could be a big addition to the team and it was a big article. So, all right. Anyway. And I have some, and I have some bad news, Plum. When the time goes by and he does or does not reclassify, we will talk That's about fine. it again. But uh, we have one last uh, sort of on Grand River, if you will, headline to talk about. And we, it is a very brief moment. But Mel Kuyper from ESPN, who is known for his draft boards, and it doesn't really matter specifically what Mel Kuyper thinks other than to say that uh, he probably re- represents an, a median of of thoughts on draft boards, suggests that Shakur Brown is probably going to go in the third or fourth round of the NBA, or I'm sorry, the NFL draft. Um, and uh, someone else is probably going to go late rounds uh, in the NFL draft. So all that's to say is that MSU is going to keep their draft streak alive as the third longest NFL draft streak in all of college football. Tied for. I mean, there's only one NFL draft streak, all of them. Uh, so another another streak kept by the skin of our teeth. Yes. Uh, all right, uh, Greg, tell us about our first sponsor. Guys, the mortgage rates. Just think about mortgage <laughs> rates. Think about the federal funds rate. Think about, think about. No, do better. Yeah, do better. like just listen, it's low, but it, it was recently lower. So don't miss out on your opportunity to purchase land, to refinance that, that property that you have already. And if you're going to do so, call our guy, Brandon Sands. You know all about him. He's fantastic. He's got that consultative approach. He'll do a, a you know a beer bong with you on uh, Facetime. <laughs> he will. Uh, I didn't just make that up. That's a real thing. We did two uh, during the course of uh, of my refinance. So give him a call or look him up as you were e signing at rate.com slash Brandon Sands. That's rate.com slash Brandon with an E Sands with a Z and raise that funnel up for a better monthly rate. Love it. Let's head off Grand River and uh, Plum. I'm gonna. Uh, uh, first two stories are going to you. First one: Big Ten champion Michigan? Question mark. Well, the good folks at the University of Illinois do not seem to think so. Apparently, they are a little bit uh, frustrated because uh, they played a full schedule this year, unlike the University of Michigan, which hid behind Juwan Howard's uh, unreasonable fears of COVID. Uh, or perhaps they were reasonable. Who's to say, really? It's been too long to actually give them any credit or the benefit of the doubt. But suffice it to say, they'd prefer that uh, uh, fat asterisk get hung up on that banner when it uh, gets unfurled in the Chrysler. And uh, I, for one, am all for the drama. Uh, so we certainly don't have any skin in this game. And uh, now, Plum, would you agree that if you lose to the ninth placed Big Ten team to close out the season, that maybe someone else would have an argument that you would lose to other low ranked teams. Yeah. You know, I think that there are some legitimate arguments here. Uh, <laughs> I think that they should all spend their time debating them with each other and I will get some popcorn and just sit back and watch them. It costs me nothing. I, you know, I love it and yeah, good for Michigan, but also yeah, good for Illinois. Illinois had a great season. Um, it felt nice to beat both of those teams and Ohio state. So 
maybe we should be the Big Ten champion, you know? I don't know. <laughs> Just hang Just that banner. Uh, so the next story that we want to cover very briefly is, if anyone missed it, um, it, it came about that uh, when the Big Ten was debating whether to have students on campus and in particular whether to return to play in football, some uh, Big Ten presidents, uh, namely Mark Schissel from the University of Michigan, didn't know how FOIA worked and sent an email asking, if I delete emails, are they no longer accessible under the Freedom of Information Act? To which Wisconsin's president said, you can't do that. And then there's a whole record oh, to which he replied, interesting, very informative. What's amazing about this to me is I know that Mark Schlissel gets told by chief counsel of U of M every year how all of this shit works. That's for sure in his compliance training. year. And he has to sit in a room and he gets told this information all the time and he still did it. I know this for a fact. Unbelievable. I I love that if Mark that Mark just like a kid cheating on a test just elbows the president of Wisconsin or chancellor and is like, hey, hey, if I delete this email, does it not exist anymore? When if he had just emailed his chief counsel, he would have been seeking legal advice and then it would not have been accessible because of privilege. Like the level of stupid. I have been fortunate in my career that I've been able to sit in rooms with people with a lot of power that make a lot of money. And I, I am not surprised by this. <laughs> not surprised. This is how humans so, are. So look, leaders and best, uh, we are over here. Can't read, can't write. And you dumb. Uh, I, I, can I just add really briefly? I, I know that I have a mustache that has please. been wildly panned, uh, widely panned. But uh, but but and wildly wildly panned. Panned. But Mark Schissel, more than anyone else, has to have the most just disreputable facial hair of any Big Ten chancellor, president, or whatever their an- annoying titles are. He looks both unkempt and just aloof. Uh, and I should say the only uh, president in University of Michigan history to have a. Uh, no confidence vote lodged against him by the uh, faculty. <laughs> what a boob. What an idiot. What a boob. boob. <laughs> I would love to see Sam Stanley come back with just like a rockin' COVID beard. I just want to I just want to put that out here, there. Here, here. I want a full V for vendetta Why not? goatee with uh yeah. Uh all right. So next up is a bit of an overdue story that we're not gonna spend much time on. Uh though is worth a Google and a read. Which is to say, uh, Texas, the University of and State are the worst. Um, I think we might have touched on this in the pod a bit earlier in the year, but the University of Texas, uh, after demands from some of their student athletes, got rid of some what the kids are calling racist shit uh, in their culture and campus. And that includes... The Eyes of Texas, which, Plum, what song is it sung to? I've been working on the railroad <laughs> all the live long day. Literally, all the live long day is actually in the Eyes of Texas. I Look this shit up. This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard 
in my entire life. No, I disagree with you, Plum. I think it's worth humiliating yourself <laughs> and your school over. <laughs> debasing. They are debasing themselves over a tune we learned in kindergarten that is folksier than it is stupid. I am. I, I Texas, have you no limit? You constantly find ways to absolutely i mean i was gonna say debase again i don't know what better word i mean just fuck is there a school that uh, underperforms its station in what it should in all ways than texas like it there's no reason why it shouldn't be one of two or three best football schools there's no reason why it shouldn't be one of the two or three best basketball schools There, like there's no reason yes. why it should be doing this to itself yes. right now it's humiliating. We're not even talking about potential rumors about uh, the wives of ex-football coaches trying to open the doors of private jets while they're in flight. We're not even we don't even need to go there to talk about how dumb Texas is. Uh, this is unreal. Absolutely unreal, this story. And the things that their alumni are willing to put in email like Mark Schlissel. Yeah, so uh, so not only you can trace, um, just trust us. You can do your own googling. Uh, it is uh, there are very much racist ties to that song. Not the least of which is the notion that it's the blue eyes of Texas that are looking upon you. Um, well, and they're, and they're watching the you. You can't escape the eyes. Like oh oh yeah. okay. Okay. No, that's a uh, yeah. that's a literature reference. That's that's a mm. God's Eyes from the mm. from the Great Gatsby mm. literature reference, yep. of course. Great, uh, of course. love it. Hate anyway, it. Uh, so the uh, anyway, um, but uh, why this is uh, becoming more delight is because after Texas made the decision, uh, some of the records were FOIAed, and um, uh, some very very wealthy donors came out as saying that if and I'm going to paraphrase, but I really am not far off. Uh, it's a free country. The blacks got what they needed. If they don't want to live here anymore, they can move. Um, first of all, not sure that's the argument you want to be making for Texas, Texas athletics. Uh, but second, um, no, uh, they can live wherever <laughs> they want to, and they should be treated right and fairly and equally. So uh, Texas, fuck off. Uh, next up on on our list is twofold. Let's just uh, a, a moment of laughter on behalf of Dookie. It's not technically done Dookie yet. Is not- uh, they could win. Well, they, they could go pretty far in the ACC tournament, but because uh... the ACC is garbage, but yes, Duke looks to be not making the NCAA tournament for the first time in 23 years, which would make it that MSU passes them on the, uh, on the streak list. Only outdone by Kansas at that point in time, and I believe. And by a lot, too. Kansas. Yeah, Kansas is at 30 going on 31. Yeah. Um, Although they had a couple close calls. Yes. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, you love to see it, I guess, is what we're saying. I like how Duke um, still shows up in our big wins category. <laughs> Even though <laughs> they're not a tournament team, as it turns out. <laughs> uh all right, uh, let's clown on one thing before we, well, no, we'll clown on two things. 
Uh, Greg Gard went off tonight, who's the head coach of Wisconsin. I don't know if you heard it there, Josie, but we had an audible yawn from one of the uh, (laughs) one of the hosts of the podcast. So we might want to speed this up a little bit. Get into Twitter questions. Uh, Bo Borowski, uh, 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 for being terrible, I believe the quote that was heard on the floor from Greg Gard, head coach of Wisconsin, is, you do this to us every effing time. Uh, as an MSU fan, I can relate, but then Plum, who was he defending? Brad Davison, who has to be one of the most upstanding and highly integrous players in <laughs> the Big Ten, if not the NCAA. A young make him the new logo. A, a young man team. who is upstanding, respectful, and respectable in all of his pursuits. Uh, yes, uh, Brad Davison, who's on, caught on film intentionally putting uh, a foot under someone who's landing from a jump, uh, who got ejected for uh, or suspended for a game last year for hitting someone in the testicular region, and um, is generally speaking the largest flopper in the game. If your name is not Wagner. Uh, Brad Davison is a piece of garbage, though apparently ESPN ran a story on how Brad Davison is garbage and cited a false Wikipedia also, page to which they had to later. It was a bad for. edit. Like it wasn't like anyone that knows anything about the Internet in general would have known that that was not an actual Wikipedia page entry. Like they don't have call outs like I'm sorry. This mm-hmm. is very, very silly. I loved it, though. I, I will say, you know. Greg Gard going off. I think Greg even said something like, yeah, I, I can't wait for the league office to give me a call. They have my number. I mean, he like doubled and then tripled down in this post game. But the, Fran McCaffrey, Fran McCaffrey is on tape yelling at Borowski. How much have you already fined me this season? Might as well do it again. You know, this is a consistent thing. This isn't just us. And it happened at Indiana again. Uh, he just had it at the Indiana game. So it's it's one thing after but, another, after another. I, I don't frankly know how Bo stays, and I don't know how, in, in, I, I tell you, in soccer in the Big Ten, uh, if a coach does not like you in the Big Ten, you will not be on the list again. But so, Plum, you told me this, because I, I think I complained about Borowski uh, officiating a Notre Dame game, and you said that it's a non-conference game, and so those officials were agreed to by both teams. They, they generally are in... Uh, especially in college basketball. I believe in college football, too, if you don't have a neutral site. Uh, but in basketball, I know this to be true. You, Those referees, when it is a non-conference game, they either they will find guys, they will agree to the referees, or they will use referees that are on both teams' lists. So Bo works ACC games. I, I know that they are sticking into their conferences. We have not, for example, we've not seen Pat, um, damn it, what is his last name? He's my favorite. Uh, well, anyway, he's my favorite of the ref of the Big Ten referees, and we haven't seen him. He's been sticking like to the ACC and up in the um, Atlantic East or whatever the East Coast conferences. Athletic uh, 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 A ten. What am I talking about? E- Big East, um, because he lives up in New York. Um, I think that they're staying regional. I, my guess is that they're not flying around as much, which is why yeah. you've seen we've seen Boroski five times. Michigan and Wisconsin have each seen him seven times. Um, he's seeing teams too much, and so when you spread it out over the course of a season. You know, you kind of forget what I'll tell you is, and we had this conversation, Jones, what Brasky seems to do really, really well. And this is a key trait for any effective referee at the division one level is he communicates effectively with the coaches. And so when you are, uh, clearly he, he knows the rules and he probably implements them with some fidelity, um, which is a, a precursor, but you have to be able to then communicate your decisions to coaches. And 
The thing with Borowski is he seems to be, in my telling at least, highly inconsistent with how he applies the rules, which is what provokes these coaches' ire. Because you can agree, you know, in soccer at least, you set the line wherever you set it. This is a foul, and in that game, if that action happens, I have to call that a foul in whatever minute, against whatever player, against whatever team. In basketball, there are so many more fouls that are called, and they're they're just not as subjective as in soccer. And so I, 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 I'm not, a, you know, it's, it's not a clear parallel, but uh, however he does it, you can see him go up to the coaches. He did this with, he's very disarming with Izzo. He, he, that, after the flagrant that he called, which we can all agree or disagree on, I mean, I think we all disagree on, but the way he communicated it to Izzo completely pacified him, completely pacified him. And that's, that takes some doing. So he has some skill set there. But uh, he's, I think he's probably extended himself too far and probably saw these teams too much. My guess is this is not going to be a good offseason for him um, in the Big Ten. I just feel like Bo Borowski is, is so by the book and just doesn't care about basketball that Izzo probably knew there's no point in arguing with him because he's like, I read it on a page, therefore it's a foul. It shouldn't, I mean, may I take the other side on this though? Like, that means to me, change the book change the rules yes uh, do we uh, want agreed, to insert agreed. subjectivity on the part of the referees like well plum, no, is that it, fair no it isn't but i'll tell you and again this is soccer soccer is a different sport than basketball it has a lot it's got a, a, a deeper history it has more do you use your i'm hands? using my hands right now uh <laughs> i'll tell you that in soccer we the referees one of the first things they teach us um, and this is not a joke. Our rule book is very thin. I think we have, of all professional sports, soccer has the smallest rule book. And it's never printed in hardback. And we do that because when we go to these clinics, it's a joke now, They the clinicians will bend the rule book. And they will say, our job as referees is to bend this as much as we can without breaking it. And the implication mm-hmm. is that there is, everything is subjective. That the, the moment you try to create, even in handling, right? The big joke about soccer is you can't handle the ball. But what the hell is handling? Look at FIFA and IFAB right now try to define what handling is. They just rewrote the rule for the first time in a decade or plus, and this summer they're going back on it already because you can't implement what they've tried to say about what a handball is and is not. My point is that it, it, everything is subjective. It's all open to interpretation, and that's why the thing that matters at that level is consistency and communication. And when you watch Borowski work, it is hard to find the consistency but boy, is there communication. I mean, shit, he made up a call on Wisconsin today and the Iowa game that just wasn't there on a late three that that changed the tempo of the game. There's, just, there's no foul there. So and, and I don't know. Just for the purposes, just for our audience, you mean internal consistency to the game? Yes, in within a game. I don't think you can, between games, too many things change. Rival games or rivalry games are different. You're going to call some games tighter than you're going to call other games. And yeah, but within a game, a hand check, a push, uh, a elbow in the face. I mean, there, there, you have to have some level of consistency on that. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's a different, I, I got to say it's a different sport. You've got three guys with whistles. They're constantly changing positions. You don't have that level of um, that level. You're, you're constantly moving around. You don't have that in soccer. So. Um, holy. We got to change our preview up on the fly, guys. Uh Anyway, last note on off Grand River is we would like to take a moment to clown on the University of Iowa. Um, 
because they have decided to retire Luke Garza's number before he's even done playing at their university. Garza, to his credit, is their all-time leading scorer, but I just I think it's worth pointing out when you're an amateur playing amongst people who are good at the sport, this is the move you make because at Michigan State, we have standards for retiring someone's number, and that includes things like playing in the NBA. Uh, I believe you have to give back to the university in some shape or form. Do you guys remember uh, in 2009 when Tyler Hansbrough was playing for North Carolina and his number was already in the rafters? God help us. <laughs> in, fair, in fairness, Tillman's number was already in the rafters, technically. What? Oh, because he's playing as 23? Because he's yeah. playing with Draymond's number? He, Tyler Hansbrough was playing there. a year at North Carolina when his number for himself had already been uh, retired. So wait, really? Yep. Oh God. All right. Well, uh, then I just clown on other people. Your name, you're, it's too soon. It is too soon. Like, how do you, it's just like, be chill, Iowa. Like, give it a minute. Luca will come back to campus. Yeah, have a moment when he comes that back. That costs you I mean, a big game down the road. Like, that's, that's a huge atmosphere that you just don't get someday when you need it. I, it's bad strategy. That's the thing that's most embarrassing to me. I mean, we, we, I think we probably all agree that Cassius' number will be retired at some point in time. Uh, deserves it, certainly. When he's senator yeah. or when he's president or whatever. Or four years sure. from now, right? Or like, then. who cares? He, I mean, he, he deserves it. Yeah. But it's it's silly and foolish to retire it on senior night. Yeah. Like, who does that? Just be chill, Iowa. I mean, be chill. Just act like you've yeah, been here before. It. So that's all yeah. I'm saying. What is it that's happened in the Big Ten, Jonesy, that has thrown off our uh, game preview our that we had prepared? Yeah. So my understanding of the way things worked was that we needed Maryland to beat Penn State and Iowa to beat Minnesota, I think it was. Uh, Wisconsin. And, uh, oh, sorry. Thank Wisconsin. you. They did, that. Um, they did do that. But Penn State. And and that meant that we would be playing Rutger. Uh, but if my understanding is correct, now we play we Maryland. No, I you're may right. be no, off no, of the bracket. I've got the bracket. It's up and it is Maryland. Uh, all right. So we had a preview plan for Rutger, which would have been at least informed because I don't know about you all, but. Um, I watched that Maryland game and just was dizzy from uh, pain. Yeah, that's a bad matchup for MSU. Yeah. Uh, the the way that MSU wants to play is it's a bad matchup against Maryland. Though uh, the the game against Maryland probably was always a trap game. I mean, coming off of those two victories, yep. Yep. right? Like smaller lineup. Also fair. I, I look what we know about Maryland that we previewed recently. They shoot the ball well from three. Uh, they have guards who are big, but their whole team is not big. They're all like six, four to six, seven, yep. all of them. Yeah. So it's a, uh, and they play great defense that did not let us get lane penetration, which forced us to take way too many threes. So we're literally doing the preview on the fly. If MSU is going to be successful here, I, I got to believe, gentlemen, that they need to find a way to drive the lane. And it doesn't have to be successful in the lane, but they've got to find a way to drive it. 
and they can kick out for a three, but they got to make the threes and they got to not take 28 of them. Yep. Right. Key one. Yep. Uh, key two. Uh, Maryland doesn't board. They shoot yes. and get back. So you got to find a way to get some transition offense going on. And you got to win the offensive glass because those second chance points are going to be crucial to a victory in this game. We didn't get second chance points and Maryland doesn't try to get them. So you, you, you got to double down on it. I think we had 13 offensive rebounds in that game, but I don't know that we converted on many of them. You are right. Uh, That sounds right. 13 offensive, 20 defensive. Uh, So again, bad matchup. Yeah. So look, I, I mean, uh, this is not going to be a rocket Watts game, uh, because it takes a certain level of physicality to get into the paint on, on Maryland. It, I, it's definitely going to be a, probably some Hogard time. And it is, if I recall correctly, Maryland has a pretty tight rotation. And so, uh, we got to get some foul trouble going our way. Gotta get some. Well, maybe this is a day for Joey Hauser to fucking figure out how to play physical in the paint. That'd be nice to see. Post up, buddy. Yeah, we can see if we can see some of that. uh, Aaron Henry starts to drive and then just pops it like shovel pass behind him to Joey Hauser all day. I'm in for it. Gabe Brown, if he can find three point land, because uh, Maryland seems to sag off the three point line a bit uh, in in a bit of a pack line style, that wouldn't be bad for Gabe either. But again, all of that's contingent upon you got to find a way to drive the lane. Well, let's just say this because you know you two for one on the pre on the preview special here. If we do beat Maryland, we go play Michigan. <laughs> Who right. cares? I don't, I don't care about playing Michigan again. Uh, all right. Uh, next up is a bit of a quick ad read before we have a very abbreviated Twitter question section. And so this note is from Preserved Homemade. It's a goods and provision store bringing the taste of home in the form of homemade treats. Uh, Preserved Homemade is uh, one of our favorite providers of, of delicious treats. And the sad news is for Preserved Homemade, but good news is they are in the process of finding a new kitchen. Literally a new place to con- make the concoctions that you love. So there will be no March drop, despite our hyping it. But if you want to be there for the day-by-day, find Preserved Homemade on Instagram at preserved underscore homemade. You can follow them on Twitter at preservedh or head to their website at preserved-homemade.com to treat yourself or someone you love some homemade goodness. It's upgrade month. Twitter question time. It's upgrade month yeah. at Preserved Homemade. Uh, okay, Twitters. So, uh, not a lot of reactions from the game. We're recording very shortly thereafter. Uh, so it's a it's a general Twitter week. Uh, and our first questioner is Nick Kamansky, who asks, in reference, I think, to the first Michigan game, what happened? Uh, points to three point stats from Michigan game and lols. He says in parentheses. Yeah. Oh, no, that's uh, he, he sent us a graphic because uh, Michigan State went 0 for 9 from three point land in the first game against Michigan. Um, and that is fair. It's actually been a few years since MSU has done that. I believe six. And also, Nick, um, if you'd watch any MSU games, you would know this isn't a big surprise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but today went four for 11 and that four. Honestly, I'm a little bit surprised at how low we were. 
Good looks. Um, I mean, the, the offense produced looks in the first half that weren't capitalized on. So, uh, yeah, but you know, uh, fair point. Michigan does a really great job at staying home on three point shooters. And, um, it was obviously effective and, uh, we got no drive game. So you see that show up in both the O portion of the stat and the only nine portion of the stat. I believe MSU is averaging 18 per game, three point. Might explain so, why MSU was competitive for a while in that game uh, that they only attempted yeah. nine. Uh, Josie, um, from one dad to an expected dad, why don't you read off this next one? Uh, so Nick has announced he's having a short leave of absence uh, from the program, which we are all very, very yeah. sad about. Um, but Spoken it's like because a true he is well non chap. Not even yeah, a laugh. Uh, but it's because. <laughs> he's welcoming his first child on Friday and uh, from the podcast and myself included, uh, we want to send the sincerest congratulations to his family um, and soon to be larger family, because that is very, very exciting. Um, and if Nick is um, half the dad, he is ha- asshole. Uh, he will be a wonderful dad and we are thrilled for him over here. Nick, this child uh, is going to be a real chap and you're going to be a lad of a dad. <laughs> yeah. I hated all of that. <laughs> Next up, uh, Raymond James. Greg, what are the best food and drink options at MSU athletic events? I think aside from ice cream and popcorn, it all sucks. Uh yeah, I think that's fair. There's a I disagree. I mean, there's uh, the football stadium has been trying to do new stuff. It's also expensive that I don't partake. Like I'm a cheap son of a gun over here. Uh, but, uh, I've had a, you know, a chicken sandwich at MSU athletic events and it's been fine. Um, I like the sweaty dogs. I'm not going to lie. The big dogs. I like, I like like a bat. I like getting the giant Turkey wing at the MSU basketball games. And I love getting the ice cream sandwich, the cookie sandwich thing at the football games. Yeah. Yep. That's my favorite. Uh, next up from Raymond chains. I despise Michigan athletics and Walmart Wolverines. So why was I so blase about this week's blowout? Am I empty inside? No. Yes. No, Raymond. No, it's fine. That was a that that was an expected outcome. I wasn't bothered by it either, and it has nothing to do with my lack of enthusiasm for the program or my lack of disdain for the University of Michigan. And I think the other thing oh, is, I, I want to. I was heated after that. It loss. was terrible. You and I Are talked you? a long time. Well, no, we didn't because you didn't call me back. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, let's just say that um, I'm still upset. Uh, let's just say that I think we should give Raymond credit because he's been doing a lot to temper down and to find his inner zen and uh, new Twitter handle, finding his inner calm, practicing yoga. He's been sending me videos of it. So I just want to say that's why you're a little bit blasé because you're finding your Zen, dude. Great. Good for you. It's good for your blood pressure. As long as you were able to well, I'm find calling you after the podcast, oh, we'll chat, oh, for good. chat for hours. Yeah. Raymond, as long as you were able to find joy in today's outcome, that's all that's important. Viewer poll from for behind the scenes with Tom Izzo. Was the coach guilty of a microaggression when he walked onto the court during the women's <laughs> game? Apparently. <laughs> apparently he was offering instructions for boxing out on rebounds plum is this microaggression did this actually happen did that actually happen no oh, okay no. I, li- I literally thought it could have uh no that time is oh uh, no that's just passion that's just passion plus plus come on like lupe could you imagine what lupe would do to him eric 
back indeed. No. Alex, if I socially distance and otherwise wear masks, <laughs> will outdoor coffee at Starbucks, trip to the post office, and shopping at Meyer be okay? He says Myers. Shopping at Meyer be okay. Shopping at Myers will be Myers. okay. So like a true Michigander, and that is right, and you said it correctly. And yes, that will be okay. Trips to the post office also okay. But we got to talk about outdoor coffee at Starbucks. Now, listen, I like my S bucks as much as the next gay, but I think isn't the real question. If I'm going to sit outside at a coffee shop, am I going to do that at Starbucks? Like, there's got to be a cuter, quainter, little, you know, hole-in-the-wall coffee shop, small business in your town (laughs) that you can support. And I'm sure they have a very nice little outdoor seating area. Go there for your outdoor coffee. Save your Starbucks for when you're on the road trip or you're trying to, you know, treat yourself. But, yeah, that that's my – because I just think about, like, a Starbucks and, like, a strip mall. Uh, No one wants to sit outside at a strip mall. You went full Michigander accent on the coffee, but you know why? Myers. <laughs> Myers. <laughs> That's for you, Raymond. Right, next up. Uh who's up next? Uh, next up from John Hubbard. Jonesy, do you want to have bumpy cake? All you need is two Swiss cake rolls and put them next to Voila. Bumpy cake. <laughs> John, uh, your reduction of what a bumpy cake is has made me say, "I'm." At our at our next, it's got to be frozen. It has to be frozen. That's part of the deal with a bumpy cake. At the next podcast retreat, I will bring you both bumpy cake and then two Swiss cake rolls, but next (laughs) to each other. Yeah, and we'll we'll see. We'll do like a blind taste test. You'll tell us what you prefer. I like that John kept it on brand by misspelling. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right, man after our own heart. And also from John Plum. It's been a while since we've heard about Yali's dumps. <laughs> Any word from your camp to update the good people of the podcast? Yeah, where is she? Actually, no, she's been um she's been great. She you know, had a nice solid dump today when on, we were on a walk in Gross Point and I thought to leave it for the good people of uh, Gross Point Park, but then did one better and picked it up. I will say uh I did have dinner with some vaccinated friends on Friday night and we got so carried away with dinner and talking that we forgot to let her out and so she had a nice dump on my friend's wood floors. But good for her. <laughs> she chose the wood floors and not the carpet. So not another rug. Love that. Love that for all of it. Uh Next up is at Tech Jansen. Is Michigan State good? I'm confused. We all are, Tech. <laughs> we all are. I mean, oh, all right, hold on. Look, last two weeks, last two weeks, you've got a win over Illinois. You've got a win over uh, Ohio State. You have a win over, two wins over Indiana. And you've got a decisive and, loss against a Maryland team that is decidedly mediocre. And a decisive loss against Michigan and a win over Michigan. I will say this. I, I, I in that number of games in that amount of time, would you say buy that stock or Tech, no? In, in, Michigan pretend, state pretend is know. dangerous. Uh, that's as far as I'm willing to go. Great. All right. That's fair. I love that. All right. Anthony Garbert up next, which MSU superstition is stronger nine and oh in the standard white home uniform or nine and nine and one in games where Aaron Henry scores 15 points. I will say that there's going to be a lot of green uniforms from here on out. We're unlikely to yeah. be the home team. So I'm going to put the juju behind nine and one for Henry. hundred percent. And uh, Bo Baraski napping the referee. <laughs> and finally, All right, next up. Uh, th- this oh, yeah, is a ahead. fantastic way to end the podcast. Uh, finally from the Garve prop bet of the week. 
MSU total wins in March versus total number of years Langford will be on MSU's roster. He's so good. He's so good. Current two and likely face Rutger, although that needs to be updated in the Big Ten tournament over under at uh, 5.5. God, he's good. How does he come up with this? I don't know. He is Rain Man with these damn questions. Fuck. Every week. Uh, all right, so wait. Um, win against uh, Maryland, let's just say, right. puts us at three. three. Do we make it through the first weekend of the tournament? Because let's assume a loss against Michigan afterwards, for the sake of argument. Yeah, I, I think you make it. I think we, I think we get. I think we get four wins in March. Uh, I think that's it. So I'm under. I'm under five and a half. And I'm also under on the Langford at five and a half. So no, I'm over on Langford. I think Langford will be with the program for at least the next eight or nine years. <laughs> <laughs> There's just going to be a mummified yeah, uh, mm-hmm. Langford that gets you know put out on the court in a sarcophagus uh, in there will 2028. Be a, there will be a 51 year old Langford starting for us. For those who don't know, Langford, uh, Josh Langford technically has an additional year of eligibility, and uh, Kyle Austin from MLive decided to write an article about that because he was asked about it, and I just don't see why Langford would say, oh yeah, I'm for sure leaving. I, I just don't understand. He's le- he's leaving. He's not coming back. He's he's rooming with Tum Tum Naren, who's not on the roster right now. He's over this. He's too old. He's moving on. Am I wrong? I mean, has Tum Tum moved on? You know. I mean, where's Tum Tum gonna move on? To? Oh wow. Oh, Hurtful. brutal. We love Tum. Hurtful. Yeah, we're glad to have him? him. Yeah. No. No. I just mean like we're. He's not gonna go play pro somewhere. That's what I'm saying. Uh, I think Langford could go play in Europe for a while. Tum Tum. Tum Tum's not going to go uh, play pro somewhere. Oh, I see what you're saying. I think technically yeah, he so was no. playing pro somewhere and Izzo called him home with a better offer. I mean, you can make money playing basketball if you're Tum Tum Nair. The question is, can you make more money coaching basketball? Than being a grad assistant? He, he's not a grad assistant. I think he's actually on the staff. Oh, geez. Oh, boy. Oh, right. oh bad take. Bad take. I'm about Tom Tom being around. Uh, All right. Beautiful episode. Beautiful week of basketball. Destroyed Indiana. Beat Michigan. Had a bit of a bump in the road along the way. But uh, let's redeem ourselves against Maryland this week, boys. Let's do it. And and wherever it goes, we'll be back to recap the Big Ten tournament next week. On uh, the podcast, will be out on Plum. Do you have the Um, uh, tournament bracket up? Do you know when that game is? Against yes, Maryland. it is at, uh, on the 11th at 11.30 in the morning on the Big Ten Network. Lovely. Wait, it's a Thursday game at 11.30? 11.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time yeah. on the Big Ten Network. MSU fans have never had to deal with these types of games before. <laughs> well, here's the great thing. And if we win, we will play on Friday, the 12th, also at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time against Michigan. I it's mean, beautiful. I do remember watching Big Ten Tournament games at lunch at work so this sure. happens they just were never our games yeah <laughs> all right gentlemen uh it's been a hell of a week and so i say with all the enthusiasm in the world go green go white boys go white guys